Hello, and welcome to Do It For Grantly, a podcast brought to you by Fortress Fund Managers, where we speak with women and men in Barbados about their Grantleys and other money matters. I'm Kim Howard, Marketing Manager at Fortress, and my co-host is Omar Kennedy. Hello, listeners. An entrepreneur, author, and former financial manager. In today's episode, Investing as an Entrepreneur, we speak with Stacia Howard, who is an entrepreneur and the managing director and co-founder of Antilles Economics. Stacey is also an economist who has worked in the insurance and commercial banking sectors, as well as with Barbados' central bank. Today, we'll talk about her road to entrepreneurship and how that led to developing a business intelligence company serving Barbados and the wider Caribbean. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. So let's get to it. Financial security doesn't grow on trees. It's built brick by brick with smart investments and a strong partner. To retirement, education, and whatever your future may hold, we say bring it on. At Fortress Fund Managers, we're not afraid of the hard work, long hours, or steady saving, just like you aren't. We know better than anyone that you can't just hope for good luck. Call Fortress Fund Managers on 435-7777 to build your personal fortress. Your future, our business. Fortress. Today, we're going to be talking about investing as an entrepreneur. But first, I just wanted to remind you, Fortress Fund Managers is a mutual fund company based in Barbados since 1996. And we provide investment services for individuals and organizations. Mutual funds is all that we do. So, Omar, can you just tell people a little bit more about what mutual funds are? A mutual fund is an investment product which pulls together money from you, the investors, with other investors, and the fund manager will then take that pool of money and invest it in companies and countries all over the world. The key thing about mutual funds is is that they operate on the principle of diversification, not putting all of your eggs in one basket. So if you're investing by yourself, maybe... You may invest in one, two, or three companies, but through the mutual fund, you are allowed to invest, and you're able, I should say, to invest in all of these different countries and companies all over the world so you can maximize your potential returns and minimize your losses. Indeed. And in terms of maximizing returns, I just wanted to also remind listeners that there are plenty other episodes of Do It For Grantly available, and you can listen to all of them on our website, or if you subscribe to any podcast apps, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, they're all available there as well. Today, we have a very special guest in studio with us. Our guest is an entrepreneur and managing director. She's also an economist, um, Stacia Howard from Antilles Economics. Welcome. Thank you. Now, Stacia, can you tell us a bit about your story, I guess, um, how you came to be an entrepreneur and what helped you to, on- to embark on that journey? Sure. I've always assumed I would run a business at some point. I don't remember a time when I didn't. So when little girls were dreaming of getting married, my Barbies had companies and they had cars and they had houses and they didn't necessarily have a Ken. (laughs) So I always knew I wanted to do something. But um, as you go through your educational life, you get interested in a number of different things. So by the time I graduated from university, I had narrowed my options down to something in finance. And I ended up working at a large insurance company here. Then I ended up at the central bank. And through those experiences, I realized that there wasn't enough information on 
business itself in the Caribbean. So if you wanted to get a handle on a particular industry, you wanted to get benchmarking reports, um, you wanted to find out market trends, that information was not available. What was available were things that were collected by regulators. So anything that was mandated by the central bank, what is now the FSC, but at that time it wouldn't have been the FSC, or things that were collected by various government agencies for tax purposes, those things were available. But that's not going to be available for every industry. It wasn't going to be available in a way that was always useful for business decision making. So Anthony's Economics was really born out of this need to fill that gap, not just here in Barbados, but across the region. And that's how we got to the point where we are today, where we've been operating full-time for about six years, and we serve both private companies as well as development banks, governments, non-profits, and so on. Last week, we had spoken with um, economist Simon Natrum about the importance of productive investment, which is a way of lending money to businesses to help them realize their vision. As an entrepreneur, how much of a role did productive investment play in the development of your company and brand? Well, if I interpret it the way that I think he meant it, which is that you're using your money with the explicit purpose of putting it towards a business, right? Um, It played a huge role. We, my co-founder and I, the business was started with myself and um, Professor Winston Moore. And when we started the business, we knew we were going to do this. And we knew that we were going into an area that no one else had done, at least not from more research at the time. And that there would have been a learning curve, both on our end as well as on prospective clients and as they got used to what we did. So we deliberately saved for me to go full-time into the business. So for a number of years prior to starting the business officially in 2013 when I went full-time into it, we've been putting money aside in a bank account that was started for the business with the explicit purpose that this is what's going to keep us going when the sales is not necessary. it was solely funded through those savings? Yes. Yeah. At that time, it was solely funded through the savings, and that actually, we've we've remained relatively bootstrapped to this day. (laughs) Um, So we tend to use either our savings at the beginning in particular, and now we would use the residual income from projects that we do for clients and so on to to keep us going and help us grow. I'm glad to hear that. We actually discussed that last time, um, before our last podcast. We actually said that persons who wanted to invest in their own business, a way to do it would be to go to a mutual fund company like Fortress. Kim called in the smart man and you know they put money down for a period of time and when they have reached their financial goals because of the power of compounding through investing over time at that point in time you can then pull some or all of your money out and then turn it into that productive investment which comes to your own personal business or if you're investing in somebody else's business so i'm very very happy to hear you say that is that something that you would do now if you were to do if if it was two third 2013 had come forward now and it was you were starting again we just do it the same way What we would change is the money that we put into a bank account would probably have gone into something else that would have actually earned us a better return. Now, in our defense, at the time, we didn't think it would be in the bank account for as long as it ended up being in the (laughs) bank account. (laughs) So when we were first starting and saving the money and putting it aside, we didn't expect that that would take us the number of years that it did. Not, not, Not only because of, obviously, the amount of savings that we had to put aside, but also along that time, there was a, we had some personal things that set us back. So the the start date of the business got pushed back, right? If we had known some of those things were coming, then yes, there's no way it would have just gone on a bank account. We would have put it into something that we know would have given us a greater return on the the amount of money that we were putting aside. Because as you're actively saving for something like this, the conventional wisdom is that you need to put aside about six months of your expenses. Mm -hmm. What I was, what I would advise people now is put aside about twelve 
um, I find that six months in the startup of a business, six months of expenses can go really, really fast, Correct. right? And I would advise people to put aside 12 months. Now, if you think about what that works out to from a dollar value standpoint, it really makes more sense to, if you're actively saving for it, to put it in a mutual fund or put it in something that you know you're going to get a return on that investment every time, as opposed to just putting it on the bank account, which is what we did. All right. And also things are different now, so... Very different. Yes. <laughs> yes. So the level of growth that you would have seen coming out of your bank account at that time would be different than what it would be now. Because I think the MSR, minimum savings rate, would still It was still in place. in place. But even so, it was like 2%. Yeah, or 25. 25. Yeah, 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 and and now it's like essentially zero. Or something <laughs> yeah. Like that. yeah. Ridiculous. Um, <laughs> now, in terms of entrepreneurship persons need to understand that entrepreneurship is not only just an investment of cash into your business but an investment into yourself your ideas and your vision not just for today but for tomorrow and next week so can you tell us a bit about that how did how 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 is entrepreneurship an investment in yourself your ideas and vision well let me give you a bit of perspective as i said i started off in finance i started off in financial services and i am an economist and one of my um, responsibilities when i was at the central bank was to monitor the financial system. So I'm coming into this with not pedestrian knowledge (laughs) of what to do, even though, yes, I would still make mistakes, right? Um, And how we we look at investing is you can invest with the expectation of getting a cash flow. You can invest with the expectation of getting capital gains. Or what we do now is we we advise people to wherever you can invest in your future, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that I think is probably what you're thinking along the lines of investing in yourself. So investing for us when we started the business was definitely an investment in in both of our, um, so both myself and Winston, but for the long term. So we knew that we could probably get cash flow investments with that same money but that may not necessarily give us the future that we were looking for. So we actively put this money aside knowing that we were doing it for the long haul. It was an investment in the particular life that we wanted, the kind of business that we wanted, the impact that we wanted to have in the world. I don't think a lot of people consider investing in businesses in that way. I think they think about it as creating another stream of income or creating a cash flow. We expected that, yeah, it probably would not create a cash flow in the early days, right? And from a capital gain standpoint, we were not looking to build a business with the expectation that down the road we will sell it, right? So we're not looking for that kind of investment either. So we knew when we put this in that we were going to be defying certain traditional norms when it came to investing where people constantly think, okay, you have to have a cash flow or you have to have capital gains down the road. We knew, no, we're trying to build a particular type of business, a particular type of life for the two founders and for our team members when they eventually come on board. So we knew that that was going to be a very unorthodox way of looking at it and I suspect that is why at the beginning as well it's very difficult to get financing right because a lot of companies are not conditioned to think about business that way they're conditioned to think about it just solely as generating a cash flow or generating profit at some point whereas we knew the time that might take us to generate profit or the time it might take us to generate sustainable cash flow would be significantly further down the road than when we actually needed certain things happening and that's why we had to put the money one side from the very beginning absolutely i think what you just said is key persons need to understand what business is that you are businesses don't make a lot of money overnight unless you're very very lucky sometimes businesses don't make profits until year three or four exactly so it is very very important to have as you said six to twelve months um uh, cash put down did you consider financing we did um even though we were putting money aside we did 
still look into other options. But the type of business that we do doesn't really attract financing easily in Barbados. So if you have something that you have tangible collateral that a bank um, or a lender of any kind can turn around and sell in the event that you fail, um, that's easier, right? Or if you're offering a service that banks or, or lenders generally are already comfortable with, so whether it be, let's say, you open a hairdressing salon or you open a barbershop Clothes or something, or, yeah. right? Th- that's something that they're very familiar with. So even if they're not necessarily lending to you based on the collateral, they're familiar enough with the risk inherent in that business model that they know how to lend to that type of business. When we first started, we had a hard time even getting something as simple as $4,000, right? So... but we expected it. We expected when we started that we would have to do this on our own, and that's why we prepared to do it on our own, right? What I would like to see change, though, is if we say, especially for Barbados, if we say we're going to be a service-driven co- um, country, then we have to figure out how to support services of all kinds. Mm-hmm. And we haven't done a very good job as a country, as, as a financial system, we haven't done a very good job of doing that. Agreed. And, and, and what you just said also goes back to another point that Simon mentioned as well, that there's so much loose money sitting down in the banks, but it's not productive. You know, it's just there in the banks and there's been an unwillingness or an, a disability to let that money come out and go into the persons who do want to create businesses yeah. which have that productive investment. So we, we, we do understand, definitely. And I think something that you touched on there too is interesting in that it's an intangible thing yes. that you're providing, right? It's not hot dogs or you're not a snow cone vendor or a drink vendor. So what, I guess, does that present other difficulties as an entrepreneur in terms of not only attracting initial investment, which you had anticipated, but also in terms of continued servicing, um, continued support from clients as well as any additional financing that you may need to have to develop the business further? I would say yes, definitely. So as you said, beyond just the fact that we knew at the beginning, we would not necessarily be an easy person to lend to, easy company to lend to. But over time, we've also recognized that we would have to prove it. So from the very beginning, we knew we would have to prove ourselves. We knew that we would have to prove that what we believed was the value that we were offering to our clients was actually the the values. We had to prove it to clients and prospects. We had to prove it to bankers. We had to prove it to anyone that comes into contact with a business that's going to build a long-term relationship with us. We had to demonstrate over and over and over again that we know what we're doing and this genuinely will, will deliver value. And over time, it's actually gotten easier. So even with our bank, over time, it has gotten easier as they have seen not just the growth in, in the financial side, but also they've seen our, our client portfolio. They've seen what we've been able to accomplish as a company. And they can wrap their head around what it is that we do better now because we can show them examples and we can show them case studies. At the beginning, when you first start off, you don't have any of that, right? So it's those first few clients that take the chance on you that really determine when you're serving professional whether you're going to make it so if you can get very good clients in from the very beginning that makes a massive difference and what we were lucky with is that when we started we didn't start from zero we started with experience consulting for development banks and consulting for governments and so on. So when we went into Antilles Economics, we were already familiar with that space. We had some of those clients as 
proof that okay we know what we're doing but it still obviously wouldn't be enough until you actually get off the ground and you start building the brand and you start getting out there and people get a lot more comfortable with what it is that you do but generally I would say that once you're offering something that fundamentally is not just a service but it's a mental service right you tend to have a lot of doubters right you <laughs> tend to have people who because they can't see your brain right <laughs> so they have to they have to wait until you can deliver output so when you come and you just have ideas it's very very difficult for people to wrap their head around what that looks like when you actually produce something that's a little bit more tangible, tangible. like a report right so it's always going to be a hard sell for anybody that's selling essentially their ideas and their expertise that's always going to be a hard sell and i always advise when we talk to smaller companies now and people who are now, st- now starting out we always advise them to just expect it to take a long time so financially plan for that right because you still have your own personal life to live so plan that it will take a long time right we you will not be an overnight success i don't even believe there's such thing as an overnight success right but they definitely will not happen in the service area in the service area it definitely takes longer unless you're lucky enough to be coming from like a nine to five into your professional life with that track record already right when you have to build it from scratch it's just going to take a while understood um a question that we have for, for you now is um we were going back to the mutual funds we're going to dabble into a bit of pensions as well when you work a nine to five you know you work at a large enough company you're you may have a pension plan Mm-hmm. As entrepreneurs, as persons who own our own businesses, we do not have that luxury. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us how important you believe that using some of the company funds and put them aside for yourself and your staff um, to have a pension plan? You know, how important it is as an entrepreneur to have your own pension plan? Well, I, we, we definitely agree because, well, for sure, I have one now, right? From the time we started the business, I knew I was going to give up my traditional nine-to-five pension. So I went straight and I actually have it with Fortress and I went straight hey, to Fortress. Good call, good call, good call. <laughs> and I started one there and um, I knew that I wouldn't necessarily be able to put money into it every month the way that you would when you work nine-to-five. But I said, okay, if I just take a little piece of my savings now, put it one side, I'll never remember it, which I don't. I, it's, it's gone as <laughs> far as I'm concerned. So I put it aside and then once we have money then yes once I have the extra you put more you put more and the plan is that eventually you will get to the point where the, the cash flow is so stable that you can say okay you can take a direct debit out of my bank account now right but at the beginning I knew I knew we were giving up a pension plan and um I knew I had to find something to do with the money that was coming from the 9 to 5 pension plan anyway. I didn't have that money before. I'm not going to miss it. If I, when I get that lump sum back from the, the traditional employer plan and just put it straight in into a registered retirement, which is exactly what I did, right? And I put it and I don't remember it. I don't think about it until every year when I'm going through my financial situation. I'm like, okay, how much money can we consider doing this year, right? I think for most people, though, it's very, very difficult to consider that. But I think you have to. I think you have to you have to plan for the future. You have to consider there will be a point in your life when you will not be working, right? And what do you want to be doing at that point in your life? And I used to do one of my very, very first jobs was doing pension planning. And people would come in at, you know, retirement age expecting that they can go on cruises and they can travel the world and they can clear their mortgage. And then when we work out how much they've actually invested into their pension plan, it's just not enough. And I had vowed from a very early age that was not going to be me, right? (laughs) When I retired, I wanted to do whatever it is that I wanted to do. I didn't want money to constrain me. So I've always been putting money aside. And then with respect to our team members, yes, that is something that... um, 
we when what we do because we're still very very small so we can't do it on their behalf as yet but we make them do it themselves yeah, right so we nudge them and encourage them and force them and they have to do check-ins and that's <laughs> know what they're doing because i don't want a situation as well where god forbid something happens and the company folds and then you're left hanging because you never planned for the future right so we always tell our staff members and i do i, I i'm fairly aggressive about it that you have to put money aside and it can be a pension plan it can be a registered retirement savings plan you can put it into mutual funds but you can't just put it on your bank account and go and potentially take some from it yeah when you need and, something and, and spend it right and then the reality is too that you know the prevalence of illness at a younger age is a major thing mm-hmm. so i wouldn't want a situation where a staff member or myself or anyone on the team gets ill and then we don't have a cushion Right. So everybody has to save. And I, and I like what you said too, Stacey, about the fact that, okay, so you were able to transition an existing or, or a former pension plan into an RRSP. And that's usually one of the options that people have when they leave a company. They could move it into a registered retirement savings plan. Um, but then you were able to take that. And like you said, you didn't have it before. You didn't need it. There's sometimes when people... When they leave a job, they do need it. Yes, I I was blessed. So there's some people that that feel that definitely that they need it and their circumstances are different. But you were like, well, I already had it, didn't didn't used to use it, so I don't need to use it now. You moved it and you are moving towards a point where you'll be able to make regular direct debit um, investments, which is really the best way to do it over the long term. And a good thing about Fortress is that when you're investing in a mutual fund for your for, for um, your retirement, or if something bad happens, the minimum to invest is not very high, is it, Kim? No, it's uh, you start with $100 in the growth fund, uh, $500 in the high interest fund, which is our bond fund. And after that, the minimum investment for the growth fund is $50, $50. a month. So, you know, it's really not entirely out of reach for most people or for some people i'm not going to assume anything about anybody (laughs) but it's 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 achievable when you think about some of the things that we do spend our money on and as stacia rightly said there's going to be a time when you can't work and also the prevalence of you know illness at a younger age is something that Mm -hmm. we're seeing more and more Or anything else that you don't plan for exactly you know trouble don't set up like rain as the old people like to say i like that (laughs) (laughs) so the I guess out of, coming out of this, they say, you know, you've been in this, you've been in, how long have you been running Antilles Economics? Full time, six years. Six years. So, pros and cons of being an entrepreneur compared to where you were before as a nine to fiver. Well, let me start with the cons. <laughs> so, the biggest con, and I would say probably the only con, is the cash flow, right? When you work a nine to five, even if your nine to five doesn't pay you a salary that you feel you deserve, right? When you work a nine-to-five, you can bank on that cash flow coming in every single month like clockwork. And once you know that you're going to get paid every single month, you can adapt, you can plan, you can do something with that money. Now, I'm not saying that sometimes the extra that you have is very little or negligible. What I'm saying is that every month, you know it's coming. The biggest con for me was adjusting psychologically to the fact that there is nothing else coming, right? (laughs) So if I don't get up and work... Nothing comes. If I don't get... Even if I get up and work, sometimes nothing comes, right? (laughs) So I had to adjust psychologically to this idea that the money will not necessarily be there and I have to constantly be thinking two and three months ahead, right? But that for me is the only con. 
Okay. The pros are, to me, way out, far away the cons. One of the biggest pros for me is that professionally I get to explore areas that I would not have gone to explore on the career path that I was on before. Not because the career path is a bad career path. I had a very good career up until starting Antilles full-time. I really enjoyed every job that I had at every juncture. But when you work for someone else, one of the things that you have to bear in mind is that you're working to further the agenda of that particular company, and you're aligning your skills with what the company needs. Now, if you have interests outside of that, it typically cannot be accommodated within that nine to five, right? So you have to either get lucky and maybe you can dabble with things on the side or something like that, or you have to do like me and just walk away from it altogether, right? So that is one of the biggest pros that I get to explore areas that I didn't get to explore in my previous nine to fives. The other pro is I get to explore companies. I get to actually help people. We, because we started Antilles with the goal of closing a gap in the Caribbean, I take a lot of pride in watching it close, right? So I take a lot of pride in watching the companies that we work with get better and better and better at their decision making and make decisions that I can actually see the effect. So we always check in with our clients about a year after we've done any work with them, roughly a year after, just to find out, were you able to actually use the insights to achieve whatever it is that you wanted to achieve? And we've had clients that said, yeah, that they acted in our recommendations recommendations and they've had growth rates of 300% and so on. That's really, really inspirational for me. And I didn't get that kind of feedback in my previous job. So I feel that the pros in my case, far away the cons. Okay, that's awesome. And you know, you also talked too about um, being able to put aside for your future, as you have determined as well. So it's also a little bit, that's another thing that you can also do as an entrepreneur. Yes, sometimes the cash flow isn't always there, but the aim is to work to the point where you can put aside at the level that you feel that you should be able to, as opposed to necessarily being bound or or feeling bound by a, a, a restrictive or a limited pension plan. Yes, agreed. In your opinion, how can investing in mutual funds with Fortress Fund managers improve um, your financial standing? Well, for me, when I first started um, dabbling with mutual funds, it was because I knew I didn't have the time, the energy, the patience to do the kind of analysis that would be necessary to actually invest in these companies on my own. <laughs> I, I mean, even though I'm coming into it with, as I said, not pedestrian understanding of these things, it takes time. It does. It takes diligence. It takes, you know, you need somebody who's on it all the time. And frankly, that was not going to be me. So I wanted to put it with a company that I felt you have people dedicated to managing this fund. I wanted the diversification without having to actually go and diversify it on my own, right? And so one of the very first investments I ever had was a mutual fund. Mm -hmm. And I maintain mutual funds to this day, even if I've had to sacrifice others over the years, because I know that somebody else is actively monitoring this and making sure that they're minimizing the risk to the best that they can and maximizing my return. So I would actually advise entrepreneurs, if you're going to pick something... Mutual funds are usually an easy way to do it, right? So you put the money in, you forget it. Someone else worries about getting the diversification, minimizing the risk, maximizing the return, and you know that you're going to be at, you're going to have exposure to all of these different asset classes that you don't have to actually sit down and stay on top of. Now, everyone can't necessarily do that with a lot of money, but as I said, if you can start with a little bit, which is what I did when I first started with mutual funds. After tax, the amount of money that I got was two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. After paying taxes, and I still had my student loan, and I mean, I was living at home, but you have to contribute. 
$200, I couldn't even get to work. I couldn't even catch a bus and get to work comfortably. So I understand when people say, oh, they don't have enough. As soon as I got a little bit more than $200, I was like, well, I was living on $200 before. So I could live on 210 or I could live on 250 and the extra money I was putting it aside. And I remember the first day I went down to open my first mutual fund account. And I was like, I, I told the guy, I only have X amount of money. He was like, okay, great. And I started with such a little bit of money. I'm not even going to say here, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> but I started with a, li- a little bit of money, but I knew that I could live without because I, I lived without it before. Tell, tell us how much it was. When I started, I started with just under $1,000 that you would not believe how long it took me to save that. That's fine, that's fine. Right. Stacey, you can start with 100 so yeah. Yeah. At the time, I, well, I didn't know that. But <laughs> I, I, but at the time, even See? just to save $1,000, when I was first starting to work, was like... I felt like it was like extracting blood at some point. But then when I got it, and I remember talking to this this older guy that worked with me and said, okay, I want to go and do mutual funds. And he actually drove me during my lunch hour (laughs) to go and get it done. And I remember feeling a little bit embarrassed because I thought, I'm only starting with less than a thousand dollars and I'm sure the people in here with like way more than that and the guy looked at me like I was just the dumbest thing like come with your money you know what I mean like don't be silly and since then I've never stopped even if even when I've had to sacrifice every other things I've left in mutual funds because I was like somebody else is going to manage the risk and I don't have to worry about that and as as we said before it compounds it gets larger over time and you know I'm sure you're much happier now I am and I still don't touch it so even to this day I still don't I still leave it where it is and just let it continue to compound so they keep investing more and more and more of the money as it makes interest and so on and I just I just leave it well Stacia thank you so much for sharing all of this with us because at one point I thought somebody's gonna think that she's working for Fortress no No, but I really really appreciate you sharing your story with us um the whole drive to develop Antilles economics i love the name by the way thank you and the whole thing of developing um saving towards the opening of the company planning to support your cash flow through those lean initial lean times as well as your requirements or your encouragement of your team team, to, to save and invest as well there's not every employer that thinks about that or cares about that um but it's really good that you do and then you know just sharing with something that you know marvin talking about from the time we started this podcast that you really don't need a lot to start investing and there you were somebody who had a background in finance who thought that your thousand (laughs) dollars was too little bit but it wasn't so i'm happy to have heard your story today i'm really grateful that you were here to share it with us thank you for having me and i'm really grateful that you listeners were here to hear from us as well you can look forward to our next podcast where we'll be speaking with michael lashley chairman and ceo of lashley financial and from cave shepherd card services we're going to be talking with chetwin greenwich who's the credit manager and we're going to discuss the use of credit cards and how they can help or hinder your financial journey for now that's do it for grantly i'm kim howard omar kennedy and thanks for listening do It For Grantly is a production of Fortress Funds Managers. You can listen to and download all our episodes in all the good places podcasts are available, including SoundCloud, Google and Apple Podcasts, TuneIn and more, or on our website, fortressfund.com. That's fortressfund.com. Remember to let us know what you think. So email us at info at fortressfunds.com or message us on Facebook or Instagram at Fortress Fund Managers. Most people find out about podcasts through recommendations. So spread the word and tell your friends about our show. Until next time, I'm Kim Howard. And I'm Omar Kennedy. Thanks for listening.